Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people, loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. I really hope you engage with God today. If you already haven't, that's why we're here. For no other reason but to engage with our God and our Savior and His redemptive power. Um, all month long, I've been talking about this fire, this call, this ign- igniting within our soul. And Jeremiah put it very, very well. The prophet, the weeping prophet, they call him the weeping prophet. He said, but if I say, I will not mention of God or speak any more in his name, his word is like a fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. However much I've been praying for comfort and healing and peace in your life, I've also been praying over every individual part of this congregation and those of you that are just new today i've been praying over you congratulations you're welcome that god gets a hold of your life and ignites something within you that has never been ignited before something that you cannot contain within yourself that you are compelled and driven to do and release out into the world out into the lives of other people and uh, I'd like to call my friend Deontay up. We're going to have an awkward moment up here. Uh, we're going to move some things around. Uh, bro, there you go. Come on up. Here at Wapak Naz, we embrace the awkward, don't we? I'm going to move these around and grab this one for you. There you go, bro. Come on up. This is my friend Deontay. You, you can welcome him. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> What's up, bro? Thank you. Thank you for being here. Uh, Deontay, start out with what's your favorite cereal? Right here, bro. Cinnamon Life. Cinnamon Life? Cinnamon Life. Cinnamon Life. What's your, what's your favorite? What was your favorite cartoon when you grew up, when you were growing up? Curse the Cowardly Dog. Who? Courage the cowardly dog. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's your what's your go-to toothpaste? Um, the kind that works. The, ki- <laughs> <laughs> the kind that works. I love it. Okay. All right. Favorite favorite food, um, ever. Like you just love to eat, man. That's comfort. Yeah. Decatur, um, Indiana has this Manleys, I think, and they make apple brats. Apple brats. Um, deer meat and <laughs> apples. Really? Yes, sir. Now, uh, you can't hear. Yeah, can can you eat? Can you eat this too? Eat the mic. There you go. Eat the mic. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Apple brats. And uh, what is what is your favorite like leisure activity? Probably working out. Working out. That's probably my favorite leisure. Activity. Can you turn him up just? A yeah, he's on. Testing one, two. You got to eat it, bro. I like mm, like them apple brats. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, how do we meet? Um, we met in prison. Yes, we did. You were an inter- no, no, no. Um, <laughs> I was one of the twelve men in the Nazarene Inside Bible Institute in Allen Correctional here in Lima. Oh. There in Lima. This is Wapak now. Yeah, this is Wapak. <laughs> this is Wapak in Lima. You ain't north. <laughs> and um, Steve was one of our instructors. You know, he was personally 
one of my favorite instructors, and I always told him Stop, that dude. I made him feel Stop uncomfortable. Um, Stop. He, he, he knows how to engage people, so. Stop. Um, Stop. <laughs> you said more? Stop. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love you, dude. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was in that for four years. Yeah. Yeah, so. When did you, when did you get released? I got released six months ago. Back in April, right? April 12th. And you just told me this morning that you're the one who actually submitted all your paperwork and um, you didn't have a lawyer submit anything. You, you're the one that submitted it all. Lawyers don't serve a purpose. Um, <laughs> not in the sense like that, but when you file for early release, especially being a Christian, you know, I feel like God controls the hearts yeah. of people. You know, if, if it's in God's will, then it'll happen no matter if I do it or a lawyer does it. You can't manipulate um, God's purpose. You know, and so it's something about just trusting in God and God, if this is your will, then it'll work. If I'll do it, it'll work. If my dog can do it, um, you'll get it done. <laughs> Balaam and the donkey. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Donkeys. Speaking. You're right. You'll you're get right, it done. Right. Like it doesn't matter. <laughs> so you've been out and we're going to we're going to talk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so if, if, if you're not used to moments like this, you, you need to get out a writing utensil or pull out your phone or your tablet and you. you Take notes, man, because there's going to be a lot of lessons that come out of our conversation today that you will want to remember. Um, and so I would suggest you please just just write it down or, or put it on your phone. You're, you're absolutely right. And you've been released since April. And, and what kind of let us know, like what what's going on in your world before we backtrack, because we're going to backtrack. Where you just started moving in an apartment. Yeah. Where's that apartment? It's on North Cable in Lima. So you you moved out of your cell, and where did you move to? The Restoration House. Now, where is the Restoration House? The Restoration House is in Lima. It is um, a reentry slash recovery um, establishment. Mm -hmm. The it's owned by Phil Clayman. He has like eight or nine houses in Lima, and basically, it's a place you know that I'm grateful for it. Yeah. You know, it was an, a place that I could live when I got out that yeah. the courts recognized as influential in reentry. And so they gave me the chance to go there. You know, it was definitely a time of um, continued, like, being in the fire yeah. and learning immediately after I got out of prison that there's still going to be hardships and tribulations outside of prison in this life. Um, but God had already prepared me for that. So, you know, definitely got through that season. Thank yeah. God. <laughs> Right, and so how long were you in in the that that restoration house? Basically, the whole entire time that I was. So April to about October. To so about October. So you're moving in the apartment, and you've been working. Where you been, where you been working, man? Um, I work at Heat Treating Technologies in yeah. Lima, yeah. on East Fourth Street. It's a blessing to say that I like my job. Um, yeah, I, my second job ever in my life, and I like it. So I'm blessed to have a job that I enjoy. I'm yeah. able to, you know get work done i'm able to work on homework at work in between my job and get paid so it's a really good job you said homework <laughs> they don't know what homework. Oh, what where are yeah. you going bro i'm going to rose state college yeah so yeah. dude you're <laughs> i'm doing too much absolutely i, I don't recommend no, it you're like, not i'm doing, doing too much, much. like fresh out of prison like right, let's do everything <laughs> like let's not you, you don't, uh, like yesterday you were telling me like you don't even watch tv right now nah you said it's a waste of your time well, man. watching tv is is a waste of time. <laughs> it is it is hard to sit down and watch TV after being in prison. I was in prison for 16 years, and they use TV to babysit most of the guys in there. And I didn't really watch a lot of TV in there. Okay. Um, most of what's on television, they have an agenda. Like you know, Satan is in the world. Yeah. Um, it's the things that they tell you as truth or the things they're not God's truth. They're not absolute truth. They're just believe our lives, not their lives. Let it be on TV shows you watch. They're all, it's always an agenda. It's always an agenda. And I don't need to watch television to know that there's sin in the world, to know that I need to be right. praying for countries, to know that um, things like what's happening in Ukraine is going on everywhere. It's going on in Africa. It's going on in Australia. It's going on in Spain. It's going on in the United States. It's going on in our own backyards. Right. Stuff like that. Um, and so I just, TV is something that I try. I've tried. Yeah. I've tried to watch TV. Yeah. And it takes me about three times to even watch a movie that I want to watch. <laughs> but I feel like I'm 
I'm free. I'm in like God's creation. I can go do anything that I want to do. Sitting in front of a TV is the last thing on my list. That's right. Um, and so we're, we're going to come back to that. But you said 16 years. So um, when, w- at what age did you, did you enter in the prison system? I was incarcerated at the age of 15 years old. I was a sophomore in high school. And yes, sir. So tell us about those few years prior to um, the crime, a little bit about family, uh, what Deontay was, what you were doing, um, the influences or lack of influences in your life. Like, just kind of paint a picture of, of young Deontay uh, and what that looked like. I would say that the first thing, you know, was that some of you guys are probably foster parents or whatnot, but I grew up in foster care, so that kind of shaped the way that I saw the world. It was mostly about myself because when you're in foster care, you realize really quick that you're really no one's child. And so as soon as you're not the person someone wants you to be, you get moved, you get moved, you get moved. Um, And so there was this calloused part of my heart that I operated from. Like you don't uh, get too close to people because they will be gone. My mother passed away when I was five years old um, from during the AIDS, um, AIDS pandemic in the early 90s. Um, she unknowingly got HIV and it progressed really quickly. Um, the majority of my biological family either lost custody of children or are felons. And with children's services, that disqualifies you from getting a child. So, and I say this, by the grace of God, I did not grow up with my biological family. When I was a child, I wanted so badly to be with my family. Looking back in hindsight, God rescued me out of a situation that was really bad. I just didn't see it when I was a kid. Um, and so I'm grateful for that. You know, I've, my mother was pretty intelligent, you know. And by the grace of God, I'm somehow intelligent. Um, so people always took a chance. I had a lot of behavioral issues. I got mm. sexually abused. I got physically abused. All these types of abuses that happened not really by parents, but by older kids and foster care. When you have so many kids and you leave, all of these kids, sooner or later, the victim turns into the offender. It, it's just this cycle that perpetuates. Yeah. Um, and so when I was younger, I was, in a sense, a victim. Never saw myself as, as that way, but you look back and it's like, okay, this is why I feel this way. Yeah. Um, in so many ways, as I got older, I started to embody the same things that I hated. You know, when I was in school, I would be the kid touching girls like you don't you can't like I was a kid physical violence I was a kid doing what I wasn't supposed to be doing Um, so it was I was intelligent but I had behavioral issues Um, I wanted to be loved but knew that that probably wasn't something that was anywhere near my future because I was so hyper Um, Mm. I was a kid to throw a tantrum and if I don't like you and you make me mad, I'm breaking your most precious stuff. Like, I was that horrible child. Like, I'm not sitting here saying, like, oh, I was, no, I was bad. <laughs> I was a bad kid, you so know? So you, there, there, were a lo- there, there were so many variables and factors yeah, in your life. It was a there lot. There were so many narratives in your mind yeah. as a young man, teenager. Um, those about two or three years prior to um, that crime that, that actually mm-hmm. eventually sent you up, what what were you doing at that time, and who were you running around with? Um, I mean, you don't have to name. We're not asking oh you yeah, name yeah, names, yeah. man. Jesse, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, um, I was, I was running around with no one. You know, that's that's the thing that I was in this group home in Van Wert called the Marsh Foundation. Um, a few years before I had um, committed my crime, yeah. and I was really just a case of people continually taking chances on me because, like, he's so smart. He's so smart. He's so smart. He just needs better love. He just needs this kind of love. He needs that kind of love. And so I was receiving a lot of grace when I was a lot of grace, more so than other kids because of. You you think you're you're looking back on that. But at that time, you weren't thinking that, were you? No, I knew it. Oh, did you? I knew I was receiving grace. It was just like I couldn't get myself straight. Were you taking advantage of that or were you just. In in a sense, yes, but it was. The thing with, you know, and we'll talk about like sin is you can't stop yourself. Like you can't help yourself. Yeah. I could not help myself. I didn't want to be this way, but I didn't know how to change it. Okay. 
Like, and so it was one of those things, like, I know I'm not supposed to be like this. I don't want to disappoint you. I don't want to be here. But yeah. so I was going to school, you know, um, I was, I went to Centerville High School and like stuff was good for the most part, you know. You were a local kid. Yeah. Ish. Yeah, ish. I mean, you went yeah, to Spencerville, yeah. so you're, I mean, you're local. You're not 20 minutes no, away no, from I'm us not, here, yeah. right? Definitely grew up around this area. And this, the reach of this, uh, and I, I just kind of want to remind us, the reach of this congregation goes as far north as, as Delphus and Van Wert, as far south as um, Jackson Center, Sydney, and uh, goes out towards Wingsfield and even St. Mary's. So, like, you're within our sphere of influence sure. as a church, a local church. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of want to remind us of that thing. So continue. And so, you know, <coughs> it wasn't particularly as I got older, I wasn't, I was less the kid, like, the behaviorally acting out. But I was like, yo, if you make me mad, we're going to fight about it. That was my thing as I got older. Mm -hmm. It was just like the, the the intelligence was like, okay, now I'm going to manipulate my situation, and if we have a problem, we can fight about it, um, because that's how I learned how to deal with all of my my problems. Yeah. Growing up, how I grew up, getting you put your hands on somebody, they don't want any problems with you. So I learned yeah. that when I was a child, and that was not a good thing to learn. So before we came in this morning, mm -hmm. I I actually asked Deontay. I said. Um, do you want to share what you did? And and then I kind of took that back. I was like, you know what? They don't need to know what you did. Um, because I know when somebody comes out of prison, the first thought is, well, what got you there? And I said, we don't need to bring that up because we don't. you're not defined by your past. And he said, I think I do need to share it. For sure. So um, because there's power in the fact that when you share what you've done you continue to break free from that and it no longer has power over you and that's what you essentially told me yeah, so not only that but but the reality is like so many times we get up on a stage and we cookie cutter <laughs> our testimony and then there's someone who's dealing with things yeah and like no one ever addresses these serious things like i struggle with this and people are like well i guess jesus doesn't save from that only if you have topical <laughs> issues and that's not the truth um, the Jesus of the Bible was with the, around some of the worst people in his area. Um, but we have made church this thing of, I have to come up here clean Very and I have to, right? I have to, I have to make you feel comfortable. Like sin is not comfortable. No. That's the first thing we should never be comfortable with sin, but we should also proclaim what Christ has done in our life because someone else may be dealing with these same thoughts, these same things. And they need to know that yes, Jesus heals from that as well. Yeah. You know, so that's right. Man. Yeah, we we uh, we don't sugarcoat here. We don't. Um, you're right. There, there's too many churches that sanitize things, yeah. and it doesn't serve a purpose. It's it's it actually it's, it's antithetical to restoration to healing. What purpose are we? Mm -hmm. Like church is not a place. Let me get together, then go to church. Like literally, what church is not? Like literally, what this was not. This was not meant to be that. Yeah. Um, so what was that choice that you made that so ended up? Due to, like, uh, we won't, due to, I'm going to say due to sin, yep. due to me not being a good person, because that's what it was. As a young man, I was not a good person. Um, I committed attempted murder, felonious assault. I stabbed my foster mother and her daughter. I didn't intentionally stab her daughter, but I, nevertheless, I did it. So, um, because of me basically not getting my way. So, there's nothing of... She did nothing to deserve it. She did nothing to warrant it. She didn't. It was me um, and my hate-filled heart hurting someone who cared about me, who gave me a chance. Mm. Um, at that time, I was so callous that it didn't make a difference. Like, yeah. this is the, 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 the most important thing about that night for my life that God has really spoke well, first and foremost, like, it's so much stuff that happened that night that I look back now, and it's, it's a shame. It's an embarrassment, but mostly I thank God that um, my foster mother did not die. I thank God that her daughter did not die um, because they have a chance. They have a chance to establish a relationship still. But I don't know if they have. But when 
you know, I, in the process, I stabbed my mother multiple times. This was, this was bleeding. Um, I had dropped a knife, and I was in this weird zone, like, just continue. I picked the knife back up by the blade, and I actually had cut myself. Um, I still have that scar on my finger. So that was that, that, that laceration was what, like, woke me back up, and, like, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, like, the Holy Spirit, like, what are you doing? Before I was a Christian, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, what is this? Like, you need to stop. Um, tears. I don't know what was going on in my mind at that time. Except for I was like, dude, you're, you're stupid. You're horrible. Like, here we go again. Like, you're ruining someone's life. Um, this time in a way that you can't come back from. Um, you know, when I got incarcerated initially, there was, I dealt with what I did the same way that I always dealt with. I Turned all my emotions inside. Um, don't care what you say. I don't care how you feel about me. Because that's how I always deal with my emotions. Like, is this me against the world? Um, but that's not how God works. Like, God didn't allow me to sit in that, like, praise God for that, that he didn't allow me to sit and become this hardened individual. Because I, I was getting worse. My adopted mother told me that before you're 18 years old, you'll be in prison. He was like, that's horrible. I was like, no, that's called prophecy. She saw it coming. Um, that's not, she didn't speak it into my life. She saw the person that I was becoming. And she was like, yo, this is the direction you're headed if you don't change. Yeah. Um, so God used that night. It brought me to the end of myself. Mm. Um, it, it wasn't immediate. You know, I tried playing a tough card. Like, I don't care. I, I did it. But why did you do it? Why would you do like that? Why would you do that to someone that only cared about and loved you? And it was like after a couple years being in prison, and just realizing that, like, I do not want to be this person. This is not the person that I want to be. So what, what enabled you or helped you realize that? Where, where, did, where did the light bulb? So I, I'm thinking in terms of um, the parable of the prodigal son, the wasteful son, who's, who's literally, you said you came to the end of yourself. For and sure. It, it, took, it took some time, even while you were behind bars. And, um, and that, that story is the prodigal son is just sitting in the mud. Mm -hmm. And it says when he came to his senses. Mm -hmm. So what brought you, along with the Holy Spirit, how, how did you come to your senses where you're like, I don't, don't want to be that? I think... You know, like I said, the initial time when I when I cut my hand, I think that was like the start okay. of like as far as time measuring. Yeah. That was the question of like, who are you? What what is going on? Yeah. Um, to myself, like, why are you like this? Mm -hmm. You know, that was the thing. My whole life it was like, why am I so much different than other kids? Like, I want to be that regular kid who's just not always in trouble, like always having to be in timeout or in juvenile detention center. I want to be that kid. Yeah. Couldn't be that kid. Um, if you guys have kids that struggle with behavior issues they don't want to be that kid they are not wow. doing it because yeah. to spite you they do not want to be that kid yeah um they don't want to be that kid there's hope there is hope yeah yeah um and it might not happen today it might not happen tomorrow but continue to pray continue to parent out of love and not frustration um, that's good. Yeah, parent out of love, not frustration. Um, that's one of the best things, you know. Don't let them see. Just you got it, you know. Um, but it was just one of those things, you know. Like so, the the initial thing was the question asked to myself. Then immediately the Jesus people came around. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, let, let, <laughs> the Je Jesus freaks, right? <laughs> the Jesus people yeah. came around. <laughs> So um, t talk to us about, tell, tell us about when you receive Christ, the circumstances surrounding that. Okay. How, how, did, how did you come to Christ? I was 17 years old, and there was this prison ministry program called Epiphany. And Epiphany is a prison ministry that comes inside of prisons, and they sometimes go into juvenile detention centers. Kay. And it's basically just a bunch of men and women feeding a bunch of kids who are hungry um, because they're in prison and the food is horrible. And so it's like, hey, we have real food. And it's like, I, I want that. 
like, they don't even mention Jesus. Like, they got free food down there, and they feed you until you can't eat anymore. And it's like, I want that. Um, and I was, at 17 years old, I was placed, I signed up, and I was placed in this program called Epiphany. I got there, and the first thing they do is like take this food, take these chicken wings, all of this cake, ice cream. Like, ah, uh, well, eventually you're gonna get full, and it's like, okay. And it's like, now let me tell you about Jesus. Crap, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's a trap. Like, <laughs> and so it was this thing that um, they used the food to draw. You know, yeah. they used they used the food as it was meant to be, as a tool, as a way to to draw people towards to tell them about Jesus. You're talking um, a bunch of Nazarenes who love food. So for it, sure. I mean, we, we, we relate to I that. I appreciate man. Nazarenes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is why I'm now Nazarene, because of the, no, it's not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but there was this lady named Sandy Hansa Schultz. She was a chemist from Cincinnati. She was my mentor for the weekend. It was a three-day weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm. And they separated you from the rest of the kids. There were, I was in a juvenile block at Madison Correctional in London, Ohio. It was 100 kids in an adult prison, but in a, a block um, that they were separated from the adults by COs, but not in actuality. Um, but they separated you from these guys. So for the weekend, it was 10 to 12 young men they took over to the chapel for the majority of the day. Yeah. Outside people came in, they fed you, sang songs. It was uncomfortable. Yeah. But they paired each one of the young men with a mentor, like, hey, what's your name? What's this? What's that? Yeah. This is where I'm from. Teach me about yourself. And it was really a testimony of a lady who, she was like, I, when she was talking about coming to the end of herself, she struggled with alcoholism. Yeah. Um, she was a chemist, which was weird because at that time, like, I was like, I want to be a chemist. And so I was like, I'm like, I'm going to listen to what she says. She's a scientist. And so it was just really through her testimony that God used that to prick my heart. It was like, yo, I need Jesus. Like, for sure. Wow. I've tried psychology. Doesn't work. Counseling. Doesn't work. Try to fix myself. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Like, I, I can't do it. And, like, I need that transforming power. The same thing that you have wow. in your life because I don't want to be that person. Yeah. And so it was at 17 years old that I accepted Jesus March um, 28th, 2008. I'm 32 now. Um, and so it was that. So, so a majority of your time in in prison, you've known the Lord. Yeah, which is which is weird. And so so the, the trick part is is a lot of people have known the Lord. Right. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> when you say um, known the Lord. Known the Lord. Um, playing the game, right? Yeah, playing the game. That's and sometimes tricking themselves. Wait, that sometimes that, it's. I, I, yeah. I thought that only happened like in the local church. That nah, happens in prison too, right? That's people. Okay, that's people. That's people. That's pe people. Um, are people, right? Yeah. Right. Wherever you go. So there was. So there, that was the initial salvation experience. It was yeah. like, okay, Lord, I'm on fire. Cairo, I mean, Epiphany left. What do I do? Yeah. Like it was a three-day weekend, but. Like, what do I do now? Okay, I know Jesus. What does that mean? I know I'm not supposed to do this, this. I think I'm not supposed to do that. I don't, I'm not quite sure about that. How he feels about fighting. Well, well, we won't fight as much. And only if you say certain words, they will fight. <laughs> um, but then God, being God, didn't leave me in that state. God right. never leaves us. Like, God never leaves us in a state. That's right. God always provides. And for some reason, we know he provides, and we're quick to forget he provides. Yeah. Like, I just did all of this for 25 years, and in three days, you've already hit me with the Israelites. Where are you at? What have you done? <laughs> I need to, like, and, but this is, we're horrible. You know, but he introduced um, a pastor out of Delphus, Ohio, um, Mark DeWitt. Wow. Mark DeWitt came through some weird Holy Spirit, how he does his thing. Sure. Um, providing, like, yeah. you can't say it was you because yeah. it doesn't make any sense. Sure. But Pastor Mark started to pour into me. Then there was accountability. Okay, now you're a believer. Now this is what you do. Discipleship. And at this point, where were you? I was. Were you, were you now in Lima? I was now in, in Allen County. Okay, so yeah. that's how he wasn't okay, driving so down no, to London, No, he right? wasn't driving down. So he, the he initial, was, he, okay. okay, sorry. So the initial backtrack. So the initial person, I was 15 years old in the county jail and a Gideon, um, Richard Erb. Christine and I, my girlfriend, we had went this recently went up to Brian to um, see him. 
but he was the chaplain in the county jail in Paulding County. And he was just that first person that made contact with me. He was like, little brother, I'm not scared of you. Jesus loves you. And I'm like, you're so annoying. I love you. <laughs> Jesus, just, Jesus. Yeah, but we, we have a couple of those annoying Gideons in our yo, congregation. Keep it up. No, I'm like, just kidding. Keep it up. <laughs> They're not I mean, annoying. So they, he was the first person that embodied unconditional love. Like, yo, yeah. you can be, but I'm, I'm not loving you based upon how you treat me yeah. or how you. And so he was the first person. Wow. Um, so he was, and he he had been consistent throughout everyone in my whole entire 16 years. Jesus. Dick had been there. Wow. Um, we had grew, and when I got out, I went like he the entire 16 years. He's now 82 years old. Um, he had wow. been there from the time that I was embarrassed of him because it was an older white guy coming to see me, and guys like, "Who's that older white guy?" And I'm like, "Oh crap!" <laughs> and to the time when I started to get, <laughs> this is this is, <laughs> this is prison. Um, so you can be old and white and make a difference, right? <laughs> you can. <laughs> but, you know, it's the culture. And until it came to a point where I was like, this is one of my best friends in the world. He's like yeah. a father to me. I don't care what you say. Yeah. I'm proud of who this man is. Um, yeah. God used him. So that was before. Sure. Then Sandy came yep. when I was 17 years old. Then at the age of 20 years old, yeah. Mark DeWitt came. Throughout all of this time, there were always brothers inside. Um, like, hey, little bro, you tripping? Uh, come to church, getting that Bible. Uh, you shouldn't be doing that. It, there was accountability. Um, prison culture is extreme, especially with the the church. Like, as the church should be, it's radical. It like, is. yo, you guys notice Christians that live in radical environments, they have a faith that's like, God, we need you, because it's hectic. It's not comfortable. Like, Jesus, take the wheel. Um, prison has that kind of environment. That's what happens when you're in a frying pan. Um, the Christians separate themselves, and we're early church mode. Like, nah, I don't get into that. My brother's over here. Um, out here, it's a little bit more difficult because yeah. it's so much more comfortable. It's easy to get caught up and easy to get isolated. In prison, not so. You so see the same guys every day. Let, let's, let's get to uh, the Nazarene Inside Bible Institute and some things. You, you had some definite influences in your life. Mm -hmm. um, it's obvious that this is process, that mm -hmm. this isn't boom, there it is, you're yeah. good. Um, it, it's uh, for all of those young ones, that's I Dream of Jeannie reference. Nah, nah. You're welcome. <laughs> I got that. I got that. Barely. I barely got it. But right, I got thanks, it. man. I appreciate I that. I almost said Lucy, but it was like the same. Mental note. Uh, <laughs> no, but like. Um, there were people that definitely influenced you and brought mm -hmm. you in the process. And then at some point, the, God truly took over. He was Lord of your mm -hmm. life. Um, he sanctified you. And then you went, you, you started to, to go on mission wherever you were, right, yeah. within prison. So um, kind of give us a little indication of what that looked like for you um, those remaining years while you were in. So in initially this looked, lo looked like, standing up for the name of Christ and correcting the doctrine that people tried to bring. Mm -hmm. Christians are just this. Jesus is just this. So these myths these that people myths, create. Jesus yeah. is a white man, white Jesus, um, black Allah, because in prison there is, is, is it is um, nation of Islam, it is a lot of Muslim and there's Christians. And then there's like 5,000 other faiths yeah. In this small population, people just trying to find identity and purpose. Yeah. Um, but it was just standing up. You know, it was being held responsible. It was standing up for the name of Jesus Christ amongst my peers, being, at the time, young black men, being the social, being the norm, but being um, a minority because being a Christian. Yeah. I'm like, yo, I don't get into that at all. And just like, nah, man, it's about Jesus. I don't get into white Jesus, as they would say. I don't get into that. I mean, just correcting those things, like, Jesus wasn't white. Jesus yeah. from the Middle East. Like, first and foremost, like, looked probably more like Osama bin Laden than he looked like anybody white or black. You know, he wasn't black either. You're right. Um, when, when I was in China, I, I had that conversation yeah. with, it, with an individual. They, they, they were drilled in, into their thinking that Jesus was Western. Yeah, and that's... And we just drew a map. And I was like, where's, the, where's, the, where's Israel? And it was in the West. That it just blew their mind. Yeah. So you were... You, Essentially, the prayer that we prayed this morning, make us bold and effective yeah. to bring the message. That's what's happening in your life mm -hmm. in prison. And you you connected with 
the church. So you guys have yeah. a chapel. You had a yeah. chapel where you guys congregated. How it, how impactful was Chap Ingle in your life? Oh, man, he was like one of the final people before I got out and still is that God yeah. used, the Holy Spirit used to just like, yo, tighten up. Like I feel like God introduced people just like certain times in my life to this is the area you need to he's going to call you out in this area. She's going to call you out in this area. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is calling you because I needed it. Yeah. You know, Chaplain Engel came and he he equipped. He was the person that came. He's like, I'm now I'm going to equip you men because you're not just inmates. Because when you're in prison for that long, you look at yourself. People think like, oh, like I looked at myself like yeah. you start to identify as when COs, he's an inmate, 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 inmate. And it's like, I'm an inmate, I guess. I guess I'm a... And he's like, you guys are more than inmates. You guys yeah. deserve more than inmates. And so this guy just came and poured, treated us like men, which is a lot. Um, in the same way, holding us accountable for our actions. Like, yo, yeah. you don't get that excuse. You're Christians. It doesn't matter if you're on this side of the fence or on that side of the fence. There's not prison rules for Christians. There's not free rules. And so him wow. just coming and being an older brother, because he's not yeah. really that much. He's about your age. He's not much older than I am. Yeah. Um, Thank but you just for making me younger. I got, I, you, I, got you, I got you. I got you. I got you. I'm getting older, so you look a lot younger. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and he just equipped us. Yeah. He believed in the work that God was doing in our lives. He didn't come in with skepticism. Yeah. He trusted the brothers who had been established and who knew. He trusted our word. He didn't try to come in and I know better than you guys. Like, no, this is your guys. Is you guys have been here. You guys live here every yeah. day. I trust what you guys say. And so there were certain guys in there that, because we held each other accountable. Yes, you um, yes, you did. I, being in the room with these 12 guys, um, I, I saw that in all of you, that you didn't define each other by, by the inmate number or by the crime, by the past, by the abuse, whatever. You, you looked at each other and saw the brother in Christ, that it, the blood of Christ was the common bond yeah. among all of you and it's very evident uh from you as well as the rest of the crew that's that's there um that they're they were ignited mm -hmm. to to minister to whomever it was and it was yeah, it was scary like yeah i'm not trying to get stabbed or like trying to get socially like but this is christ did it so i guess i gotta do it <laughs> like it was that thing i was like oh you only sacrificed your life for me so i guess i gotta go do something not as extreme so um, now, what's you're, you're going to school? Mm -hmm. um, you've got an apartment. You're mm -hmm. working. Um, your plan is, and we all know what happens with plans, right? But your plan is right now to attend Wheaton College. Yeah. You've already started the paperwork for that. Mm -hmm. um, and what do you? What's the call that God has? What, what you know? God's call is. First, and, and let, let me make this very clear. God's call is more on who you are than what you do, uh -huh. right? We, we need to understand that. It's not what you do. It's who you are. It's who you're going to become and who you're becoming. Uh -huh. However, there's, we're talking about this passion that God has really put on our lives. What is he impassioned, with you, impassioned in you? What is he entrusting you? What's the, the idea? What's the plan? right now that God is going to use you? All the bad kids. All the bad kids. Just give them to me. Um, you know, juvenile right. detention centers, juvenile yeah. prisons. <laughs> just give them to me. Um, juvenile prisons. You know, I understand that there is this population of children. By children, I mean kids from seven years old because yeah. at seven years old and I was just researching this, that is the age of criminality. You can call a person a criminal at seven years old yep. and treat them as such and put him in jail, lock him up. He's no good. Yeah, the youngest one I had was 10 when I was yeah. a juvenile probation officer. You have these, was it me? No. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Do we know each other? <laughs> no, man. <laughs> um, but you have, these, you have these psychologists that place labels yeah. um, on children in man's psychology and say he's done. It's over with. So he's a monster. He's a sociopath. He might be a psychopath. Throw him away. And society's like, okay, let's throw him away. He's done a horrible thing. 
Yeah. Um, but that's not what the Bible it says that nowhere. The Bible doesn't say that anywhere. That's not how God works. Right. Um, but there's this whole population of kids that people are, are either a afraid of or don't care about. Um, that need to know that yo, no matter how bad you think you are, there's a God that's greater, and it could be allowed. No matter how like calloused and how, no matter how much pain, and there's still salvation. There's healing for that. Right. You can fight me tooth and nail. I know about all of that. Um, but they need to hear the gospel just as much. But a lot of people are they go in a couple times, and those kids are bad. Like, you just all kind of expletives and talking crazy <laughs> to you. It's like, you 12? Like, and you 5'11? Like, this kid is massive. And I'm, but someone has to do it. Um, well, so the poor. That's your, yeah. I mean, so you're actually um, here in a few weeks. So, Chaplain Engel, I, I walked in um, to the main lobby of the chapel a couple weeks ago, and Engel came up to me and was like, dude, let me tell you what's going on. And he was telling me how he's, he had met with people in the detention center, yeah. and he said, I will come into the detention center if and only if Deontay is able to come with me. So yeah. when do you actually get to go to JDC here soon? When my probation officer sends that email to chaplain. Okay. So you're waiting for that. Yes. So that's something we can be praying for. Pray for, for the expedition. Um, you're, I, I had mentioned to the congregation that you know, you're, you're called to heal the broken. So Wheaton College, what degree are you looking to um, work on? Right now I'm looking, I'm looking at psychology with a minor in biblical studies and theology. Yeah. You know, I'm taking classes at Rose State for psychology. Um, honestly, I can be, you guys are brothers and sisters. Psychology is not fun. I don't like it. Um, it's certain parts of it that I enjoy, but I'm in general psychology, so it's just like a lot of information, yeah, and I'm yeah, like, yeah. too much. It's a lot of history. Um, yeah. But it's, it's the vehicle, you yep. know? My prayer for God is God open the door up wide enough that I have no choice but to walk through it because I'm kind of slow when it comes to is that you or is that me is that you or is that me but so God has really just been my life has been God just opening doors up and I'm like how did I get here it must be God because I didn't do anything to deserve this so let me ask a couple rapid questions okay. and if somebody asked you or if someone believes that family cycles cannot be broken what would you say to them they can you know, um, one of my best friends in prison, he and his brother grew up in the same household, south side of Chicago. Um, Quentin decided to follow his older brother, go into the street, sell drugs. Same household, same mother, same father. His older brother is makes $640,000 in one of the third largest. The family... The, the family curse, as we would say, you know, it stopped with one brother. One brother continued it. But those guys aren't even believers. So <laughs> when you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you know, like, God doesn't care about, he doesn't care about your past, your family, you know. We have the responsibility and the, the, the knowledge, and we know that God breaks cycles. Um we don't have to be defined by our families. That's right. You know, like my family, what's weird because, you know, I will never say that genetics don't play a role, but God, once again, does not, he changes hearts. Wow. All the men in my family, and I grew up aside, all the men in my family, prison, violence, my aunts, violence. So violence is something that you could say my family's genetically predisposed to. God cares nothing about that. Um, I have not been in a fight since I was 21 years old. And you talk about someone who fought every day. Wow. Like, this is, but God is like, no, nah, no, we don't do that. What's your favorite scripture? Uh, my favorite scripture is James 119. It's be quick to hear, slow to speak, and uh, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So yeah. that, that, that scripture is played very heavily in your life. Yeah. Especially since you just said, I've not been in a fight since yeah. I was 21. Um, what would you say to the person who's a believer in Christ that's been sitting on their hands and trying to ride out their life and just stagnant. Uh, like how somewhere like Christ tells a church, like I'd rather you be either warm and, you know, soothing, mm -hmm. um, like, like, a, like a compressed rag that, that heals or cold and refreshing. But you guys are neither. You guys are lukewarm. You serve no purpose. Um, mm. As Christians, we all have a call on our lives. Yeah. 
we all have a sphere of influence. Like, it's not a look at the pastor, look at the pastor, play the drums, the guitar, um, the sound made, like everything. It's not that kind of thing. Like, yeah. we all have a role to play. That's right. The pastor is just another part of the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not more important right. than someone else in another body. So the most important thing you guys should know, and a lot of you guys know this, is like there is being a Christian is not for the cowardly. You guys, if it's just praying for someone, some of you guys are powerful prayers. Um, If it's some of you guys can cook, if it's, you know, doing a Nazarene thing, but always giving (laughs) a reason why. So many times we do things and people say, hey, you're a really good person or thank you. And that's an opportunity to say is I do this because of Jesus Christ. That's good. It's as simple as that. That's good, man. It's very. It is it's very as simple. simple as that. Like, don't take it for yourself. Like, unto God. Like, oh, thank you. You know, I do what I can. Fake humility. Like, nah. Like, it's because of God that I'm this way in the first place. Yeah. Um. But no matter how old, no matter how young, you guys have all, like I said, spheres of influence. Yeah. But just do something. <laughs> like, well, watching is not what we're supposed to do as believers. Last question. Um, what what would you say to the person who's trying to live out their passion and their call that God has laid on their life? What word of wisdom would you give them? Hot seat, I know. No, no, no. Be, I would say be prayerful and mindful. Yeah. Um, so once we start to, like, this is my passion, like, Satan still does his thing. Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to slide in and I'm going to say something to you. And a lot of times, like, we might have a direction. God might place a call on our life yeah. and say, it's like, I'm here too. I can call you something that's similar, but it's not really. Um, Chaplain Engel said it like this. Sure. We don't, want the, we don't want good things for our life. And I know that doesn't sound right, but good is the antithesis to right. We want what God wants for us. So many times, good things have been the things that have taken us away from God's will. And it's like, hey, I'm living a good life. I'm making this much money. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. My family's fed. All of this. In the meantime, where's Jesus in all of this? You're comfortable. Your kids, everybody's happy. But where is Christ in any of this? Um, It's really easy to get caught up in a life that's comfortable in retirement and great grades and all of these things. And God's removed. But... My thing would to be prayerful and mindful that Satan does not stop working, especially if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Uh, mm. Stay in that word, too. Yeah. Like, if Pray you're a believer, yeah, like, I have conviction on myself, like, every day. Not like once a week on Sunday. If you love God, you guys have children, you guys have parents. It's like having a conversation and you speaking to your child. And you like, do you hear me? And your child not listening. It's like saying, I love you. My father loves me. My father speaks to me. Or I speak to my father, I should say. He hears me. And then when he goes to speak, I turn away. Every single time, I turn away. God's word is what God has given us specifically for direction, for revelation, for for encouragement, for nourishment. Like, if you're not in his word, then where are you drawing your power from? Satan can come in and just tell you whatever he wants to tell you, and you're going to think that's a good thing, and then you're going to get swept away. Um, Our power as believers is in the word of God and in the Holy Spirit. That's where our power comes from. Like, it's not from from being a super mother, or it's not from being a, a dentist or my career. Our identity comes from the Holy Spirit. It comes from the word of God, who God says we are. And if you don't know who God says you are, then Satan can come in and tell you whatever he wants to tell you, and you're going to believe it. So the word keeps us grounded. It keeps us humble. It keeps us motivated. And it's hard work sometimes. But once we start, like, it's hard to get out of sync and get back into sync or start it because it's like it's so confusing. But good thing we have the Internet and all you have a great passion like Steve Ambrose. I got a question about the Bible. A lot of you guys know about the Bible. It's it's digging in. And it's not getting caught up on doctrinal issues that can trip us up as we get older and full of ourselves. 
like, oh, my Jesus doesn't believe in eternal salvation. Well, mine does. And like, no, <laughs> it don't matter. Who knows? Who really knows? Like, like who really, really knows? The like, Lord. Like the Lord. <laughs> like the Lord knows. Is it sometimes saved? Always? I don't know. But I know he loves me. Yeah. And so just staying in the word, being mindful, prayerful, and just, you know, keeping on bearing the cross, mm-hmm. bearing one another's burdens. Church was church. The body of Christ was never meant to be lived alone. If you look at the Bible, it's always in community to the church of this, to the church of that, to the church of this, to these people, to this group. It's always about community. If we once we isolate ourselves, it's over with. You know, we're in our in our life group. We're going through the book How's Your Soul, and that chapter, the chapter we're actually talking about this week, it says that that we need to be surrendered surrounded mm-hmm. and that that keeps us grounded yeah right surrendered to the lord and surrounded by community that bears bears our our burdens prays with us listens to us um and 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 that it grounds us so last thing i'm, I'm gonna put a plug in for you my friends okay uh yeah you you just you, you're, you're in the process of moving into your apartment and uh you basically said i got nothing and so you've recently received some things, but what do you? What are some things you truly, absolutely? You said it in the street yesterday. What do you need, man? A dresser. There you go. Listen, man. <laughs> <laughs> you need a dresser. <laughs> as simple dresser. as that, right? Oh yeah, it doesn't matter. A dresser. So I, I figured. I, yeah. I said I put a plug in for you when we talk. It's like, bro needs a dresser. <laughs> anything else? You got pots and pans. You got a couch. You got a table and chairs. Uh, you got utensils. So uh, anything else? If, if you got a, a queen size bed frame sitting somewhere around looking like you're a big dude, so yeah, queen size, right? Listen, man, queen size isn't gonna work. Huh? Twin, I tried it. <laughs> you could be off the bed. Rolled off. Man, I I, I want to say uh, thank you, thank you for just sharing your life and sharing your heart and what what Christ has done in you and what He's continuing to do in you and that you you are surrendered and you're passionate about what Christ has done and what he's going to do. And I, I bottom of my heart, thank you. And thank you're you for invited pouring, back, man. dude. Yeah, you definitely. You know, I, I thank you guys for having me. You know, thank you for pouring. Like, guys, please pour. Even if you think you're not having an impact, continue to pour. Get filled, pour. Get filled, pour. Christians, we're supposed to be rivers, not reservoirs. Take it in, send it out. Um, Let me pray for you, man. Sir. Heavenly Father, I thank you for my friend, Deontay. God, you were working in his life well before he understood you were working in his life. Here in the Church of the Nazarene, we call that Praveen's grace. Essentially, it's just grace before. But God's working in our life before we actually come to salvation. And I firmly believe that you're working in, in lives throughout the communities in which are represented here at Walpock Manor. Lord, I... We ask that your Holy Spirit continue to lead and guide Deontay. Put the full armor of God upon my friend. Lead him in the way of everlasting. Continue to bless him from people and places unknown, from strangers. And Lord, help him keep his nose to the grindstone as he he works in school and and seeks to, to get that degree open doors for him to, to, to walk through and do an effective work in the kingdom of God. And Lord, I hope his story inspires, breathe life into us as followers and, and disciples of Jesus, not just churchgoers, not just Christians, but disciples and followers of Christ. Will you continue to raise the bar in our life and, and call us out because we are sent? And will you use each of us to impact those that we know and those that we come in contact with for the very, very first time? We love you, Lord God, and I thank you for my brother. It is in your name, Jesus, that we ask these things. Thank you. Can you please thank my my friend here and your brother? Appreciate you, man.
Appreciate you. Uh, yeah. Wow. They love you, man. Man, hey, uh, before we go, I just want to bring a few things to your attention. Um, and so, one, uh, if, if that impacted you in some way, shape, or form, go online to our digital connection card. Let us know. Let us know what God is doing in your life. As a result of this, this series, and as a result of those that shared last week and this week, let us know. Um, we can't always have those conversations, but please let us know. Um, and if you need uh, people praying for you and lifting you up in prayer, we have a prayer chain. You can take a picture of this screen. It's the, the far right-hand corner. Send your praises, send your prayer requests uh, to wapaknaz at gmail.com. And if you want to be a part of that prayer chain to lift up the body of Christ, let us know through wapaknaz at gmail.com. Uh, also, uh, we have a lot of boxes that you guys have filled. Um, there's about four, three and a half boxes that you have filled to bless Matthew. Matthew's our, our youth pastor, and he's going to be um, heading out of Texas to uh, the Middle East here in the next week or two. Um, and you have filled some boxes full of medical supplies and soap and, and toothpaste and, and those things that will bless him, but also bless those that he serves with. Uh, what we are lacking is food. We're lacking those things that uh, are needed to, to eat. Um, let me tell you, uh, what he'll be eating is probably equivalent to or worse than prison food. Uh, and I'm not joking. <laughs> so uh, we definitely want to bless him and bless those that he is, he is ministering to um, with some food. If you're curious of what that is, there are lists out on the announcement board by the coffee. Rip one down, take it with you, keep it with you, put it on your refrigerator, put it in your phone so that you know exactly what you can, you can purchase for. Um, and we're going to continue to collect during his time. Uh, those shipments will be every three to four weeks. I want to say thank you so far for all of you who have, have taken time and recruited other people outside of this church to give to that. Um, th there is a senior dinner. Uh, for those of you, I guess, that are, that are qualified, um, I don't know what age group that is, but hey, uh, if you feel like this is something really, really great for you, uh, Sandy, uh, our music director, she, she absolutely loves blessing you. Uh, so you will have a senior dinner in the fellowship hall on Saturday, November 5th at 430. It's not just for you. It's also for your friends and the people that you know that don't, don't attend here. This is a great time to get connected, get to know each other, but also to invite friends in so that they can just also feel the love of God through the ministry of this church. That's November 5th, right over in our fellowship hall at 430. Uh, and last but not least, you were given these wonderful sheets of paper uh, when you were entering in the church in the sanctuary. You mind pulling that out real quick? Um, over the past several years, we, we've kind of taken a liking to our teachers and our staff and our administration of Wapakoneta City Schools. And uh, we expanded that ministry last year to bless all of the schools, Crydersville Elementary, Wapakoneta Elementary, the middle school, as well as the high school. And we are looking for you to put your hands and uh, feet to the plow. There are some opportunities right here. It's listed out very clearly for you. Um, check all the boxes that apply. And uh, you can drop that into the joy box, or you can hand them to me, or you can hand them to Sandy, our ministry director, right over here. Um, and uh, we'll bring this before you in the next coming weeks so that we can make sure that that's before you. Also, if you don't want to do it on paper, you can go online, look for this, this logo, the, the Wapakoneta logo, and click on the sign up. And you can go right to the link that has all this information. Click those boxes and it'll submit it to us. We really, really do appreciate the impact that you are making on bringing joy and blessing our teachers during their parent-teacher conferences. Last but not least, and uh, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being a church 
that is a generous church. But beyond the generous, thank you for being people that are obedient to the call of God on our life to give not only of our life, but all aspects of our life, including our finances. And you allow us to do some of these ministries by your giving. And so I want to say thank you. And if you want to partner with us for the very first time, there are joy boxes at the exit, or you can go to wapaknaz.org backslash give and set up your account there. We're grateful, and I'm, I'm truly, truly blessed to be a part of a congregation who gives to the Lord out of what He has given to you. With that said, we ask that you please stand. Folks, uh, let me get up here because I can't see everybody. Um, we love you. We do love you, and we pray for you throughout the week. Um, not only myself, but our leadership team and those that, that you know, they pray for you. And if you're new here, congratulations. You've been prayed for for a long, long time. And uh, this is our first meeting of you, and we're so glad to meet you. May you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And will you please love your neighbor as yourself? You have a blessed day. Go Bengals. See you soon. Thank you for listening to the Nas podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you and that you were moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.